First Samuel tonight. This is going to be uh, this is going to be interesting. Uh, how that we're going to to pull this together, uh, but I just have a little thought here that I want to help you with, if I could. In First Samuel chapter nineteen, uh, Brother Stephen was texting me back and forth yesterday about this chapter, and uh, I just couldn't I couldn't shake it out of my spirit. So I want to talk to you. For just a second, from a unique, um, a unique position here in First Samuel chapter nineteen. It is uh, in First Samuel chapter nineteen that Saul is trying to uh, trying to kill David. It has been uh, <laughs> been quite a journey. In chapter eighteen, God is trying to transfer authority. And I can't really explain all this in 30 seconds. But God is transferring authority in the eyes of the people from Saul to David. And in chapter 18, an evil spirit from the Lord of all things comes upon Saul. And uh, he tries to kill David with a javelin. In chapter 19... He still wants to kill him. And he's talking to Jonathan, his son, David's friend. And he's trying to kill him. And so Jonathan is trying to help David get free. And then Saul's daughter, Michal, uh, knows that Saul is coming to get David. And the scripture said in, in chapter 19 that she took an image. Uh, she took an image like a, uh, a statue. And she laid it in the bed. So that when Saul came in, it looked like David was laying in the bed. I thought it was kind of disgusting that she put a pillow of goat's hair for his bolster. But uh, nevertheless, David must have been quite a fuzzy fella. <laughs> so she takes the statue and she lays it in, in the bed. And Saul comes in and he's ready to kill David, find him asleep and... His wife had helped him. He said, "You escape from my father, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to put this in the bed, and we're going to take care of this." Now, this is what's so crazy. So David fled. Let's go to 18. David fled and escaped, and he came to the prophet Samuel at Ramah, and he told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and dwelt in Nioth. And it was told to Saul, Behold, David is at Nioth and Ramah. And Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the company of prophets, follow me very closely right here. Saul sent messengers to take David. Somebody say, To take David. But when they saw the company of prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God came on the messengers of Saul and they prophesied. Saul said, I'm going to send my messengers to kill David, to get him and take him out. I'm going to kill him. That was the plan of the enemy. 
But when they walked in the room where power and authority and kingdom was established, they could not curse what God had blessed. Mm. Then when he also to Raymond came a great well that is in Secu and asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And one said, Behold, they are at Naoth in Ramah. And he went thither to Naoth in Ramah. And the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied. He went on and he prophesied. Now this is this is kind of strange. He stripped off his clothes in verse 24. And he prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Wherefore is to say is Saul also among the prophets. Okay. Now there's some technical stuff about this that I want to talk. I, I'd love to talk to you about but I don't have time tonight. So I just want to leave this picture for you. This is what I want to leave for you tonight. Saul hated David. God loved David. David was blessed of God. Somebody shout blessed. I'm fixing to preach my whole sermon to you. David was blessed of God. Saul said, I hate him and I want to kill him because I don't like blessed people. So I'm going to send messengers to get him. But when the messengers got there, the power of God was so strong, even they had to bless David. And when that didn't make Saul happy, Saul, who was trying to curse David, walked in and God said, you can't curse what I've blessed. I'm going to make you bless him too. I feel like telling you tonight, I love it when God makes my enemies bless me. Y'all can go ahead and preach right there if you want to. I love it when God makes my enemies bless me. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Now, this is a crazy, crazy story because there is a unique happening as the narrative unfolds about David's anointing. Everybody wants to be anointed, but nobody wants to pay the price for anointing. It's like the old song, don't know if you ever heard it. Everybody wants to go to heaven, nobody wants to die, right? Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. Everybody wants to be anointed. Nobody wants to go through stuff. You can't have your cake and eat it too. If you're going to be used of God, you're going to have to endure some things. You can't quit every time you get discouraged. You can't leave God, leave the church, leave your family, leave your job. And just you got to have some consistency. you got to stand up and square your shoulders up. Can pastor be real and tell you sometimes you just got to pull up your big boy britches? Sometimes you just got to put on your big girl skirt and go to the world and just be a holy vessel and just keep on doing the right thing. I know you're going to get discouraged. I know you're going to have a tough time. How do you know that, Pastor? Because you're human and I'm a human. You're going to have times where you're discouraged. You're going to have times where you're depressed. Oh, no, 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 Pastor, we can't be depressed. Oh, yes, you can. You didn't lose the Holy Ghost because you got depressed. You had a moment of humanity. You don't need to go to the doctor and get a pill. You got depressed. You went through life. Life happens. Life hurts. Life breaks you. 
But the Bible said that a just man will fall seven times, but he'll rise up again. The devil don't know what to do with people that every time he knocks you down, you just get back up. He's given you everything he's got and you're still standing. I feel like telling somebody tonight, if the enemy could have killed you, you would have already been dead. But to God be the glory, I got back up again. So the scripture tells us that David becomes a minister to Saul. And that when Saul would get grieved, that he would send for David to come play his harp for him. And that the music that David would play would soothe the soul of Saul. In other words, it was the kind of music that Saul liked. God knew how to use David to bring a soothing spirit to him. Until the day that Saul says, whoever will kill this giant, I will give him my daughter. And so God uses a boy to do what none of the other men would do. And David walks in. I, you know, this is, this is probably contrary to popular opinion. I, the, the scripture doesn't say this exactly, but I don't believe David walked in unafraid. I've heard people say all my life, fear and faith don't coexist. That's not true or it wouldn't be faith. If it didn't scare me to death, it wouldn't take faith to do it. It don't take faith to do stuff that don't scare me. If it's not so big that only God can accomplish it, it's not faith. You're walking by faith. Well, pastor, fear and faith don't coexist. That's not true. If you're going to walk by faith, you're going to go into some seasons in your life that you're fighting something that's way bigger than you. And it may scare you to death. But you've got to know who's walking with you. He looked at that old uncircumcised Philistine and he said to him, you come to me with a sword and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Can I tell you that his name is greater than your fear? His, oh God. His name is greater. telling you right now that if one of David's brothers would have walked up to him and said, hey, pup, are you afraid? The answer would have more than likely been, yeah. Quick question in here. Anybody ever walked on water in this room? Anybody ever been out on a boat? Anybody ever gone deep sea fishing? Anybody? All two of you, God bless you. I'll preach to you too. Anybody ever been in water deeper than your ankles? I think we found our niche. I've been out in the water many times. When the Binghams were pastoring in Key West, Brother Willie would take us out on his boat, and we'd be miles, 10, 12, 15 miles off the coast, and you couldn't see the bottom. I mean... There wasn't no way you could see. You're talking about thousands of feet deep. You can't see the bottom. 
I'm telling you folks right now that if it was dark out there and I looked up and saw somebody walking on the water, um, I'm, I'm going to have to get me some new britches. <laughs> the Bible said they were afraid. Fearing they had seen a spirit. Come on now. Are you reading what I'm reading? Faith will trouble you. Faith will cause you to question reality. Is this real? Is this really what God's doing? Am I really seeing what I think I'm seeing? Is this really what God is calling me to do? I'm going to preach to you in just a minute. So they were troubled. And Peter says, if it be you, then just bid me to come to you. Folks, I don't want to mess with your mind at all, okay? If you think Peter was a superhero, good for you. I'm talking about he sees Jesus and then he sees reality. You understand what I'm saying? It's nighttime. It's stormy. He wasn't seeing the bottom. He says, if it's you, bid me come. Have you ever said something to to the Lord, and then when you said it, you're like, oh, I can't believe I just said that. (laughs) You'll be like all inspired on a Sunday night or a conference. Be like, oh, God, if you want me to go to Botswana. And the Holy Ghost like, you can't even spell Botswana. (laughs) God, whatever you want me to do, I'll go. I'll learn new languages. I'll do it. And then you say it and you're like, oh, I must have been way too inspired. And I can just see Peter. Lord, if it's you, looking big, you know, bid me come. Verse 29, he said, just joking. I am, uh, I am so sorry. Blessed is your mother and blessed is the fruit of her womb. Jesus, I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know about this. And the Bible said that Peter came down out of the ship. Okay, we're just going to talk about this for a second. I've been in many a mud puddle because I ain't spiritual enough to walk on them. But when your foot goes in it, behold, it sinketh. Faith was not the lack of being troubled. There was evidence of fear. But Peter says... That favor is better than fear. So I'll step out and let favor do what fear can never accomplish. Fear keeps me in the boat. Favor says I can do what he says I can do. We're so afraid that we're going to sink. 
I said we're more afraid of sinking than we are actually believing that Jesus said, come get you some. Quick question for you. If you fail trying to please God, what have you done? You failed doing your best. But if God shows up and you're in the will of God... What are you going to do when that water turns to a concrete sidewalk and all of a sudden you're walking in a dimension you have never, oh God, you have never walked before and you step out of the familiar into unfamiliar territory and now you're walking by faith because favor ain't fair. Oh yeah. So we know the story. Peter steps out. Now, man, people are hard on Peter in this story. It's crazy how bad they treat him. Because he steps out, and as the story goes, he saw the wind. And he was, maybe I should put my glasses on. Somebody, what's that say? What did it say, brother? What? Afraid? I thought he was in the middle of a miracle. You can't be afraid and have faith. Well, I'd say the scripture says you can. So here's the question. Is the wind greater than the wind maker? Is the storm greater than the storm keeper? Uh, is the wind greater then the master of the wind? No. no, but it sure feels like it is. And so I'm human. And I get afraid. And he started sinking. Because his fear was becoming greater than faith. See? That's why I don't ever step out, Pastor. That's why I don't ever walk by faith. That's why I refuse to do that. It's safer right here. Folks, let me finish the story for you. He didn't swim back to the boat. He started sinking down in a miracle. Listen to what I'm telling you right now. Sometimes your lowest moments are going to come when you're right in the middle of your greatest miracle, right in the middle of the will of God. It's not, oh God, help me right now. It's not going to feel like a miracle. It's not going to feel like a breakthrough. You may be afraid. Let me get up here so y'all can see me real good. It's, it, it's, a, it's a scary moment. When you're in the will of God, but the will of God is sinking. Don't miss me. It was in this moment right here that Peter recognizes my faith does not activate my ability. I'm not walking on this water because of me. Mm, man, I'm trying to preach this and stay in my skin at the same time. My faith does not activate me. 
it, it activates my ability to do what I cannot do under my own power because God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. So he begins to sink. And he said, Lord, I'm sinking here. Yeah, y'all read it. He said, save me. Save me. I can't do this by myself. The miracle's bigger than me. The moment, oh Jesus. The moment's bigger than me. But it's not bigger than the master. There will come a moment in your miracle you realize this one thing that we can never forget. What's sinking you? He's still standing on it. I'm going under, but I'm not. Save me. Save me. Save me. How can he save me? Because he's still in the position of authority. He's still standing on what troubles us. He's still over. Oh, God. He's standing on top of what's sinking me. Stay with me right now. I feel like preaching to you. He says, oh, this is over my head. I don't know what to do. Save me. This is deep. I'm in deep trouble. Somebody say deep trouble. I'm in deep trouble. This water is over my head. And Jesus says, it's under my feet. What Peter was in was over his head, but it was under Jesus' feet. Quit worrying about whether or not you're going to fail. If he bids you to come, walk on, children. Walk on, children. He still got it. And then... <laughs> reaches down he pulls him up and he caught him he said uh, where's your faith son started doubting on me there just a little bit got a little unfocused there just a little bit can I tell you if you get unfocused in the middle of your walk you won't be the first and you won't be the last quit beating yourself in the brains and letting the devil tell you how terrible you are for how many times you failed you're not the first person that's ever failed God, and you won't be the last person that's ever failed God. Verse 32. Verse 32. And when. Who's they? Jesus and Peter. So what you're saying is Jesus picked him up and made what was trying to curse him Y'all ain't going to help me preach up in here. The water that was trying to curse him, Jesus said, why don't you go ahead and bless him? I'm going to change the molecular structure of what's happening under your feet. You shouldn't be here right now. But by my grace, is there anybody here tonight that can testify? I shouldn't be here right now. I shouldn't be standing here right now. But by the grace of God, 
I'm walking out of here. I don't know who I came to preach to on Sunday night. But I came to preach to somebody who feels like it's just about over. I came to preach to somebody who feels like the curse has been cast. I came to preach to somebody who feels like it's just about time to throw in the towel. And I'm declaring to you, it ain't over yet. God's not finished with you yet. God's about to make your enemy bless you. God's about to put that water under your feet. God's about to take the curse and put it under the soul. Feel him here. You can't sink him, water. Because I spoke you into existence. If you don't believe that, you got to get in the book a little bit. The Bible said that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And it was the word of God, the Logos, that began to separate water and earth and sky. And beneath the firmament was separated and light and darkness was separated. He has authority over everything that he created. Now here's the question. If he's still standing on it, why are we freaking out? Why are you about to go crazy trying to fix something you can't fix? What would it take right now for God to put you at peace? Say, I got this. Quit staying up all night. Quit tossing and turning all night. Let me ask you a question. If you walked into that boss right now and said everything you wanted to say to your boss, would it make it any better? Huh? Man, I'm in the Holy Ghost. If you walked in right now and told your spouse everything that was on your mind, would it fix it? You got the power at all to change that? Can you fix that at all? No, you can't. Anybody here at all that's ever, ever just said, you know what? I'm probably worrying over something I've got no power to fix anyhow. And the best thing I could do is to just open up my heart and my soul and my spirit and my mind and raise my hands and lift my voice and say, God, if it's your will, I'm coming through this. You're right here with me. Oh, man. See, that ain't, yeah, that ain't deep enough for some of y'all. Because you're in a place right now where you feel like you're dying. You feel like you're sinking. You feel like it's over. But I feel like telling you, if you'll just look up, there's a hand that's reaching down. I feel him here right now. I could quit right this second. I feel him here. God. Is about to make that thing bless you. <laughs> I can't get you to believe what I'm telling you right now. 
Oh, pastor, it's just been a long season. The longer the season, the bigger the breakthrough. Man, I don't know what it is. I feel a, I, I feel a dance in my feet right now. I can't even, I'm not just, I'm telling, I feel something down inside of me right now. That in just a few days, somebody's about to look back at right now and say, I can't believe I made it. I don't know how I got through it, but God made my enemy bless me. God's got a way. He knows how to do it. God has a way of making doctors look at their own report and say, I thought it was impossible. I didn't know how we'd do it. But something has changed. There is a variable in the story. I need about three people to believe what I'm telling you tonight. It's just so far gone, man. It's too deep. No, it's not. I got to reading in the book of Numbers, the 22nd chapter. I started reading, Brother Stephen, what you were texting me yesterday. Balak saw what the children of Israel had done to the Amorites and ticked him off. And so he gets a seer by the name of Balaam. He says, Balaam, I want you to use your connections and come over here and curse these people. <laughs> Balaam comes walking in. And I love, I wish I had time to preach the whole story. It's so incredible. In Numbers 22 and 18, Balaam has already tried to curse and it just can't happen. This one little phrase right here was enough to make me want to preach all night. (laughs) Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me the house full of silver, watch this right here. I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord. Jesus' name, baptism. Are are you hearing what I'm telling you right now? Please curse them. I can't. Why not? Because they got a word. (laughs) Something changes when you got a word. The word said I can't change. The word said I can't bless him. He said if he gave me a house full of silver, if he loaded me up with wealth, I can't step beyond. The word is my boundary. Never one time does Balaam say it's not my desire to do that. Sorry, bub. You don't understand what's on the line. Balaam's life changes forever if he curses him. But every time he tries, it's like there's the people and there's the word. 
Are you following me? What you can't see right now, the word was not visible to the children of Israel. But it was inevitable. There was a boundary there. Well, I don't see how God's going to stop. That's all right. Quit before you say anything else. Just stop. Don't say anything else. Because there is an invisible barrier between you and what's trying to kill you. And every time the enemy tries to come up against you, boom, whoa. Maybe if I back up just a little bit. Let me try again. Let me just serve notice tonight, if I could, just above your heads. Can I do that for, can can I like do a commercial right here? Everybody stay right where you are and let me preach just above your head. Let me preach just above the atmosphere of this building. Let me preach to the prince and the power of the air. And let me declare to him every curse that you you have tried to bring against us. There is a boundary, and that boundary is a word from God. We will grow. We will prosper. We will have revival. We will see prodigals. Your family will be saved. In in the name of Jesus, there is a word there. You're going to have to bless me, devil. Go ahead, Saul. Send your messages. I'll make them prophesy. Come on in here, devil. I'm going to make you watch him be blessed. Come on, we don't have time to tell God how much trouble we're in right now. We don't have time tonight to tell God how big our trouble is. I've come to tell my trouble tonight. There is a boundary between me and you. And it is the word of God. And when God said you got to stop, that means it's over. Your party is finished. God is writing the story. Come on. You got to tell the devil tonight. You do not control the narrative of my life. I am victorious. 